At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Son of a Butch podcast. I'm your host, Claude Harmon. We come to you every Wednesday. This week's guest, I think one of the real feel-good, kind of positive stories uh, currently in this crazy game of professional golf that we find ourselves in. Um, Kyle, one of the graduates off the Corn Ferry has his PGA Tour card now. You will see him on the PGA Tour. Uh, but what a really interesting story, interesting background. Uh, went to the Air Force Academy, uh, served five years after the military academy. Um, so a 10-year process to get to the Corn Ferry and then to get his card. And um, I really, really enjoyed talking to Kyle. I'd watched him. Um, at the U.S. Open that he qualified for out at Torrey Pines in 2021. Um, but I think this is a story that everybody can get behind. And kind of his journey to the PJ Tour is very, I think, unique. Um, it's inspiring. And um, I think everybody's going to really, really enjoy listening to it. And I think that with the PJ Tour starting um, the new season, the wraparound and 2023, I think he is going to be someone that everybody listening will be looking out for. So really excited, uh, for the talk with Kyle Westmoreland. My guest is one of the 25 players from the Corn Ferry Tour to secure their PGA Tour card. Kyle Westmoreland. Um, Kyle, you're the first player to play on the PGA Tour to come out of the Air Force Academy. I mean, are you going to demand that they they announce you on the on the first tee of your first PGA Tour event as Captain Kyle Westmoreland, or are you just happy with Kyle? I'm just happy with Kyle. You know, Captain was something we were in the past, but happy to be a golfer now and happy to be playing on the golf's biggest stage. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Um, what an amazing story. I mean, I think with all the craziness currently going on um, in the world of professional golf, with the PGA Tour and the Live and all that, you know, crazy drama. I mean, your story to me is one of the great kind of feel-good stories about, you know, what the game of golf allows people to do and and your story. Um, I mean, there's so much to unpack, but I've got I got to talk to you. I don't think people that that watch golf realize that you know trying to make it into the the Tour Championship, trying to keep your card, but I think. Um, the drama on on the Corn Ferry every year for guys trying to get their cards to get 25 opportunities to to have a life changer to play on the PGA Tour. Um, it's always, to me, some of the best drama. What was it like for you? Um, you missed the cut in the first of the, the finals, which puts you behind the eight ball, and then you pull it out. Yeah, you know, I... Honestly, there's not, there's not much like it. I, you feel, you feel some nerves or ang- anxiousness, you know, playing different tournaments in different situations, but honestly, there's nothing com- that compares to the corn fairy tour finals coming down to the end on the bubble. Um, other than maybe Q school, right. Q school's super, you know, competitive and, uh, there's so many guys vying for spots and, you know, you're just trying to, you know, prove your worth there. And, uh, and you're trying to do the same, you know, at corn fairy tour finals. I did put myself on the eight ball, which didn't help played well in Ohio, you know, we were pushing for a birdie or two down the stretch that, you know, really would have capped it off and, uh, made it not come down to, uh, two hours after I finished on a Sunday of, uh, Victoria national, but, you know, it was just awesome to be there. And then just, it's just chaos. You know, if you're on the bubble, I mean, you know, like I said, I told you, I recommend everyone play better and not be on the bubble. It's a, it's a great, thing to get your card but the two hours leading up to it you know were pretty stressful for me and my wife my family but them being there was awesome you know that made it made the experience now it's a you know memory we'll never forget and i'm just thankful to have the opportunity to play on the pga tour it's one of those opportunities kyle to where going into the finals i mean with the 25 cards available um if you're one of those guys as you said on the bubble there's you know what you need to do right you know that every single shot every single putt um, you know that making a bogey on a par five, you know, a, a silly bogey, 
and you look up and you're like, I've just dropped three spots. So it's that constant checking of the leaderboards. All the golf sports psychologists always say, listen, stay in the moment. I mean, as a coach, I'm constantly telling my players, stay in the moment, stay in the moment. You can't affect what's going to happen. You can't be affected by what has happened. But that's so much easier said than done when you're in that kind of cauldron last round of the year on the corn ferry. And you know that if you go out and get your job done, um, some things could happen to where it's taken out of your control. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I typically do my best to, uh, like you said, stay in the moment, kind of detach from the situation. I don't, I don't play with a bunch of emotion, try not to, because I think, you know, emotional decisions are most of the time bad ones. Um, but I, I don't watch any leaderboards, so I don't look at the leaderboard. I don't even, I don't want to know. Um, you know, if someone, you know, tells me, I, I look, I'll see where the leader's at. So, you know, see what kind of, what we need to do to try to get, get to there. But, you know, other than, once again, when I get to the last three holes, I typically ask them like, Hey, what do we need here? What, what needs to happen? But until then it's just, you know, creating that game plan, trying to execute to the best of your ability. You know, it, I'm confident in my game and, and the confident in the game plan that we come up with each and every week. And I know that if I go out and I execute well, I'll be competitive. Um, so it's just trying to do that. I think everybody listening is always fascinated when you're watching golf, when you hear players say, listen, I didn't watch any leaderboards today. I mean, there was a great, there's a famous story. Jesper Parnovic back in the day had a chance to win the Open Championship um, at Turnberry. Didn't look at a leaderboard. Didn't know that he needed not to make a birdie. Um, I think people, the fans, are always kind of maybe sometimes confused by that because in other sports, you're constantly aware of what's happening in the game, right? If you're an NFL quarterback, it's not like you don't want to know what down it is, what score it is, what you need to do. Um, the thought process behind not watching the leaderboard, because there are players, Kyle, that watch leaderboards. They want to know where they are. Um, why do you take the approach? You said, you know, you'll, you'll kind of ask on the last three holes in these type of pressure situations. But what is it about not watching leaderboards that you think does for you and for your mental kind of frame of mind? Yeah, I, I try to only put energy into stuff that I can control. And I can't control what's going on in the leaderboard, but I can't control what's up what's up in front of me. And and you know, if I if it comes down to the last three holes, you know, and 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 I ask and I want to know, there there is a point where the caddy does need to know where we're at, does need to know the, the caddy situation. needs to know. <laughs> yeah, caddy's gotta know. That's part of the job. But but for me, um, if I can't control the situation, if I can't control it, then I don't, I don't care about it. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. And if someone goes on a six, you know, six hole birdie run or whatever, and you see, you know, so and Joey Garber's made four consecutive birdies, then, uh, then, you know, it doesn't do anything for me to look at it. It doesn't do anything for me to add some external pressure that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And when I got to hit a, you know, when I need to hit a 230 yard shot over the water to, you know, a green that has uh, you know, water in front and bunkers on the left and right. You know, I don't need to know that Joey's made four birdies. Doesn't matter to me. But but I will say, Caddy does need to know. And coming down to the last three holes, that can kind of change a little bit because you start, you know, you start trying to feel where you're at, what you need to do, and especially this last round, right? Last round of Victoria National, I'm struggling to shoot even par, right? I'm I think I, I made a double on uh, a hard three, really sloppy shot, bad shot. And, uh, camera showed up, you know, cameras had, and followed us. So, so I know there's no reason that some the camera should follow a guy shooting even par unless he's on the bubble. So I knew where I was at. And, and so I kind of asked then and, uh, thought we needed to make a birdie on the last turns out we, uh, we, you know, we could, we would have been okay not making it, but it was nice to make the birdie in a situation that you think you need to. Even though you're, you're, playing professional golf, if you're not one of those guys, you know, like a, a Rory McIlroy or a Dustin Johnson or a Justin Thomas, who basically they're on camera from the time they get to the golf course, right? They're on, they're on camera. There's people following them from the parking lot. They're following them to the driving range. So they're used to that. If you're not a superstar and you're playing on the web and, 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 or on the corn ferry and, and the corn ferry, there's less cameras than there are on the PGA tour, right? I mean, it's, it's a way different kind of media setup. So all of a sudden the cameras show up, you know, you're like, okay, that, that puts, do you feel like that puts added pressure on you? Because all of a sudden you're like, okay, 
it's not just me doing out this out here on my own now. I'm going to be in the coverage. Everything I do, all the shots that I hit now are going to be televised. Do you feel that and do you sense that? Not so much pressure, but are you aware that that's happening? Um, I, I wouldn't say I feel any extra pressure. It, I, I would say actually the opposite this past week, um, Victoria National. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't playing great, six under. I wasn't in the mix to win. Knew I was, you know, pretty far down the leaderboard, but cameras were there. So get you pretty fired up to try to finish. You know, you're doing something, you know, you're in the mix. Um, and I, and I love that. I, I think cameras there, you know, allows my family, friends from around the world to watch. I mean, I finished and had about 500 texts from buddies that are stationed all over the world that I went to school with or met in military time. And it's just a, it was awesome for me. And, and it honestly, it, it was nice to have them there and, let me know that like, Hey, we are in the mix and we are, you know, this is still, still a golf tournament. We're not playing great, but make a couple of birdies. We can, you know, control our own fate. You mentioned the military there. It's so much a part of, of your story. Um, let's go back to the beginning. You grew up in, in, I didn't know you grew up in Houston, Texas. I grew up in Houston, Texas. Let's go. Yeah. Um, what you wanted to go to the university of Texas and play golf there. Such an amazing history. They've had so many, great players. They just won the national championship again, Coach Fields. You know, I mean, the list of players that have played at UT from a golf standpoint, Scotty Scheffler, um, just or Jordan Spieth, Ben Crenshaw, all the greats, Tom Kite. Um, but you chose to go to the Air Force Academy. Talk me through what that process was like. Did you have other offers um, from other programs in, in, in college? I did. Yeah. So I was fortunate, you know, to, to have some options. Uh, most of the smaller schools in, in Texas at the time, they've since, you know, grown quite a bit, but like U of H uh, was one that I looked to. I, I looked at Texas tech for a brief, brief amount of time, looked at a couple of schools in Kansas, uh, Wichita state and Kansas state looked at air force Academy, but to be honest, I was pretty raw coming out of, out of high school. You know, I played, played other sports all growing up and, and, I played golf in the summer times, but it was kind of, you know, you know, secondary tertiary sport. So it was, it was awesome when I, you know, chose to really pursue golf my last three years of high school and, and, uh, you know, dove into it, but I was raw. I had a lot of speed, didn't always know where it was going. Um, but the, you know, the benefit of that is we learned how to chip, right? Great. The thing, the thing about chipping is, you know, you don't, you don't get good at chipping by hitting 15 greens around. So, so it was awesome. Got to hone in the short game, I say, um, and then chose Air Force. Coach Fields was actually one of the people that you know convinced me to not convinced, but talked me into thinking about Air Force. I I visited, didn't plan on going there, um, but I really liked the coaching staff, liked what the school was about. I thought it'd be a challenge for me, and uh, turns out it really was a challenge for me. But thought it would be a challenge for me and and Coach Fields. You know, he he really didn't have space on his team. He had a he has a great program that if you um, if you check a few boxes, you're a guaranteed, uh, I guess a guaranteed walk on, right. Preferred walk on. So that's what I, you know, planned on doing. Um, however, the air force Academy, you know, came about and talked to him and he said, Hey, you should consider this and ended up, you know, with the coaches, the coaching staff there went there, got a lot better. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't change anything. Before we get to, to, to the military part, you mentioned that you started, you played, you really only focused golf the last three years of, of, of high school. What other sports did you play growing up? Yeah, I, I grew up playing football, basketball, and baseball as well. Um, baseball was probably the main sport. Football, you know, if you'd asked me in middle school, if I, you know, what sport I'd be playing, I would have told you I was the next Vince Young, right? Turns out I wasn't uh, nearly as athletic or capable on the football field, but, but I enjoyed it. And, and then basketball, you know, I, I love basketball as well. You know, pretty much anything with a ball, I, I played it at some point in time, but uh, baseball was probably my main sport. I see so many, um, Kyle, I see so many kids trying to play golf. And, you know, the one that's always difficult for me is the, you know, 14, 15 year old, you know, either boy or girl that comes in, you ask them what other sports they play. And the parents say, listen, you know, they she played a little soccer when she was younger, but you know, really for the last six, seven years, all she's done is play golf. Um, as a coach, that's always a really tough one for me um, because I think high school and, and, and junior high, being in competitive sports, competitive athletics, being on a team, one of the things that I think is hugely important for the development 
of a golfer who is trying to play at an elite level is to have been a part of some sort of competitive team to where they could play good and the team could lose and they could play bad and the team could win. What do you think playing team sports, playing other sports did once you made that choice to say, okay, now in my last three years of high school, I'm really just now going to be a one sport athlete. But up until that sport, because I tell parents, Kyle, all the time, keep your kids playing as many sports as possible, as long as possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. You know, playing in, a te- in team sports, you learn so much, so many valuable lessons there um, that translate into all walks of life, you know, even, even in golf, right? That is an individual sport. But as a team, playing team sports, I, I loved being a part of it. I love the camaraderie. Um, that being said, you know, golf was my summertime, summertime out, right? I was, I started playing golf because it was the, it was the cheapest form of babysitting growing up. And like, I actually grew up outside of the Fort Worth area, went to high school, uh, junior high and high school in Houston, but um, it was like $2 to play all you can play. We didn't have a range or anything. So, and I didn't do well with babysitters. So my mom would send me to the golf course at five bucks and, you know, it's been two buy, you know, a sandwich with the other one and then play Nassau with the old guys, you know, early on. So I learned how to do that in the summertime, but, but all those other sports, you know, they, they made me better at different things. Football, you know, obviously, um, gave me some size. You, you grow up training for football and, and, uh, you know, I think strength wise, you, you can really benefit there, um, as well, as well as, you know, just development, learning how to lose and continue on and, make a good play or make a bad play and continue to come back because other people are counting on you to do your job. Um, and then on the golf course, you know, I, I think I took those other sports, the accountability that comes from those, from those other sports and, and applied it and applied the same drive and, and uh, was able to, you know, mosey into a sport that, that is, uh, you know, you, you control your own fate, right? So there's, there's bounces, there's things that'll happen to you on the golf course. But if, I think if you apply those, same work ethics that you learn in those other sports in the golf. I think that's a, you know, a winning recipe. One of the other things, Kyle, that I find when you work with young kids um, who really get out of all other sports and they just focus on golf um, from a coach standpoint, from an instruction standpoint, um, sometimes kids that have been in individual sports and nothing else, they're very difficult to coach because they've never really had to deal with anyone with a coach saying, Hey, you miss that play, get out, we'll bring somebody in. That kind of, I always say to, to the players, it's funny in golf, you can be working on something with a player and say, listen, why don't you, you know, you try and let's hit this shot, right? We're going to hit fades, 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 fades. And, you know, you're trying to start the golf ball left and, you know, the golf ball starting to the right, starting to the right, starting to the right. And, and I'm always thinking if this was team sports, if this was high school football and the coach was telling you to run an out pattern and you were supposed to run five yards and then cut across and go across the middle and you kept running five yards and cutting towards the sideline, the coach would sit your ass down. They'd bring somebody in and you would sit there. You don't go practice. You don't go work on it like we do in golf. You just go sit. And I'm always interested at somehow, some way in team sports when the coaches take you out you don't go to the you don't go to the range and hit balls. You sit there, and then the coach will come back to you and say, "Okay, are you ready to come back in and do your job and do the job like we've practiced it?" I'm always fascinated that that seems to work in team sports, but in individual sports, sometimes you can tell somebody what to do over and over and over again, and they struggle to do it. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean just facing ad- adversity mentally, you know, is, is something that you learn so early in team sports, especially like a football or a baseball, right? Cause there's immediate feedback with your coaches and yeah, just, I, I agree. I, you know, I haven't really thought about it like that in, in that sense, but yeah, but you know, if I missed a snap in football, you know, I was going to hear about it, right. There's immediate repercussion. And I guess, you know, if you were to set me up on the range and say, Hey, you need to hit a cut right now. I would probably hit a cut, you know, if I knew that there was a repercussion of somebody yelling at me. Right. So <laughs> Um, you could, you can hit a cut you could take a guy and you can tell him, Hey, you need to hook this. Like, you can't cut it. You know, it needs to start right and hook. You figure it out, you know, especially people going at, at this level or, or even in high school, right? You could do that in high school, but, but I, I agree. That's neat. I haven't thought about it like that. So let's take a short break and we will be back right after this. 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get back to the interview. Most people that are going to go to college in the United States and try and play competitive um, golf and go to college is very different to go into the University of Texas and being a college golfer and making that decision when you're 18, 19 years old. And then the decision you made to go um, not only to, you know, the Air Force, but you're enlisting in the armed services. It's not like you're going to go. Did you, were you aware of everything that would come after that at the time you made that decision? Because you go to college for five years. Um, I, I read that after, after college, you still had five more years that you had to do in the military. You're seeing people that you played with in college golf, people that were in college golf at the same time as you maybe go to the PGA tour, maybe go to the corn Ferry tour. Basically they played their college career, however long that was. Um, and then they had an opportunity to go live their dreams. You go play, you have a, a really good career at the air force Academy. You win tournaments and then everybody goes to Q school, does what they do to chase the next phase. And you've got to wait five more years in order to do that. That, were you aware when you started the process as an 18 or 19 year old that it was going to take that long? I didn't know what would happen six months from then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I visited the Academy. The coaches were great. I knew that um, I didn't have anyone that had gone there in the past, you know, so I didn't, re- I knew there was service time afterwards and that, you know, likely playing a sport was off the table, but I, uh, you know, I chose to go there, had no idea that anything happened after basic training. So how it works is your fresh, your summer before your freshman year, June 23rd is when was mine, when mine was your report and you're straight into basic training, you know, you're going full speed eight weeks. And then the school, the academic season or academic year starts. And, uh, when that academic year starts, you know, I thought that was it. Like, Hey, I'd gone through basic. I'm, you know, a part of the Academy, but it turns out there's like a whole freshman year process. So you're still getting, you know, you're still getting the brunt of it for, uh, for the whole year there. And then the, after that, you know, it's your sophomore year kind of tears, tears you up mentally as far as, you know, they just load courses on you. And then your junior and senior year are much better, but you have service time after that. You know, I chose not to fly. And so I had a five-year service commitment. If you fly out of the Academy, it's a 12 year commitment. Um, so it's, so, so it's, it's like big basically, it's like basically either it's like basically going to med school, you know, that wherever you go to, to, to college and get your, your degree in medicine, then there is another process. So for you to one day have your practice and someone call you Dr. Westmoreland, you know, as a doctor that that process is X. Um, what was the reason, was the reason that you chose not to go down the pilot route at the Air Force Academy? I mean, I, I think, you know, in the military, whether it's the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Marines, there are so many, you know, the commercials show you all of these different things that you can do. It's just not being a general. It's just not being, you know, a fighter. Was there a conscious decision that said, okay, I want to try and have a career in golf after this. Um, The commitment to be a pilot is probably going to make me miss that window. Absolutely. So I didn't, when I got to the Air Force Academy, I was excited and all I was interested in was, you know, making those first tournaments and competing. And uh, that even, you know, that drive even got furthered through basic training when I learned that, you know, there was something, there was this freshman year that was still, you're still going to be in the brunt of it. But if you went to a tournament, you know, you're going to miss a week of that at at a time. So, so it was even, you know, spurred to make those tournaments more, but I had great coaching there. Um, I had, you know, coach George Corey, who was the head coach at Air Force for a long time. And then coach Chris Wilson, who's now at Kansas. But uh, he's a great coach. He's, he's gotten, he's made teams better everywhere he's gone. And he's really a player development guy. Not as a sense like swing technique and stuff like that, but kind of course management, game management. So got there and he uh, introduced me to the thing called a wedge basket. And uh, we sat on wedge baskets for about my first year and a half there. And, um, you know, so we kind of 
worked on that short game, worked on the wedges, worked on the scoring clubs and just beat it into us. And, you know, we, we got better. The whole team got better. The, those years, it turned out to be the best team Air Force has ever had. But for me, my junior and senior year, I backed into to some success. You know, I, I was able to win, I guess, uh, I don't know, like five times or so. But I won a All-American tournament. And at that point, I was like, okay, I can do this. I can compete with these guys. And, and I want to do it. I want to pursue this. And so that was the time where I made the conscious decision that golf is what I was going to do after, after my service time going there, I didn't know that golf was what I was going to do, but I kind of backed into it. Um, so, so it was an awesome experience. And, and as soon as I made that decision, I knew pilot was out the window. 12 years is too long. In the first two years of those 12 years, you are not touching a golf club because you're, you know, you're going through pilot training, you're studying, you've got all kinds of stuff going. So chose a career field. Um, well, they, it, they chose a career field for me, but it turned out to be uh, financial management took me to Biloxi and Charleston. Um, so both, you know, in the South, which were great, you know, allow me to get out and play and practice use it. There's a night range in Charleston. So use that a bunch, knew the college of Charleston coach through college. So played a lot with their team on the weekends and, and just tried to get better. Um, I know, you know, Alan Terrell, I worked with Alan Terrell for a long time and he was up in Myrtle beach. So about 90 minutes away. So it was, an, it was a good time and tried to get better where I could, but like to answer your question, it was a conscious decision about my, I guess my junior year that I was not going to fly. So five years, you have some success, but then you graduate from the Air Force Academy and you know that you've got to wait another five years of giving your service to the Air Force Academy. I mean, it takes, I, I would, Kyle, it takes a lot of mental strength to stay focused on a dream and a goal that long because I work with so many young kids that are 17, 18. You remember what you were like there and you say, listen, I want to go play division one college golf or division two, whatever. And I say this all the time on the podcast. I see more kids that are better when they're 16 years old than they are when they're 19 and 20, they get burned out. Life happens. They meet, you know, a guy or a girl. They've never had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. They they're away from their parents for the first time. Um, and they just say, listen, I ultimately, I just, I just don't want to work this hard. Um, was it hard or does all of the training that the military, the air force puts you through on the process on discipline on all of the things, did it make the five years easier for you? Do you think, you know, I, as far as the, easier in the sense of in in the sense of golf not burning out you know i i've always seen golf from the time i went to college even in high school as a as an opportunity right so opportunity to play in a golf tournament is always something that you know has been great um has been you know i've i've looked forward to and i still look forward to them even playing you know there's 26 weeks on the corn ferry we played 27 so we played them all and then one up on uh we played the honda as well so you know plus one there but but throughout my service time, you know, I looked forward to going on the weekends to work on golf. I looked forward to playing in my next tournament, whether that was a state open or a Monday qualifier or whatever it may be. Um, but the perspective and and I really like the process of, you know, trying to get better, going out, playing, analyzing what you did, trying to, you know, put some data behind it and go and go get better at that. Um, and I've always liked that. And I think the military does instill that in you. And, you know, the thing I'm most you know, most glad or most appreciative of from the military are, are the people that I met. You know, I met so many good people, so many great supportive people that, you know, have followed me through this journey. Um, and then the perspective, you know, that he gave me, right. I was able to travel around, got to, uh, you know, I had going into college, I had been to one other country and that was Mexico and it was for, you know, a graduation trip. Right. And so I got to tour around the world, see some different parts of the world, good, bad, um, met some great people along the way. And, and I think that perspective carries me and, you know, kind of defines who we are now. And you learn who you are, right? I, I think it's a huge leg up on the guys that are coming straight out of college. You know, you barely know how to tie your shoes or what's important <laughs> as far as what's important to you coming out of college and got to kind of learn who, what, who we, who we were, we being my wife and I, you know, going through this together, but kind of learn who we are and what's important to us and, and, you know, try to carry that into the game of golf. I think the other thing that I find interesting is, you know, if, if you, you wanted to go to the University of Texas because you see Scotty Scheffler have success, you know, Jordan Spieth, 
all of the great players that have come, Justin Leonard, all the great players that have come out of those programs. And you can find them anywhere. You can find them at Alabama. You can find them at Oklahoma State. There aren't, other than Billy Hurley, who was in the Navy, there isn't someone that you can point to and look to and say, oh, okay, he's my role model because he did. there's not 15, 20 people that have come out of the armed forces and said, okay, I'm going to play professional golf and make it on the PGA Tour, on the European Tour, wherever they play. I think it's fascinating that, um, I always think it's interesting that, you know, a lot of the the players that come from around the world, from different countries, it allows the junior golfers to say, listen, I'm I'm a junior golfer in India and Anurban Lahiri plays on the PGA Tour. I can do that. He's a role model for you. You, you don't have that at the Air Force. There, there isn't somebody that you said, oh yeah, there was a guy two years ago, he's now playing on there. Yeah, and then there was a guy six years ago, he came out of the academy, he's on tour now. Um, was that hard to not have that kind of role model that you could kind of look up to and then ask, hey, how did you do this? Yeah, so I, I actually am, am fortunate to be friend, pretty good friends with Billy Hurley. He lives about a mile from me now in, uh, in Charleston, South Carolina. So so Billy had done it, and there's a guy named Tom Whitney. He was about four years older than me. He's pursuing. He's on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, but not having, you know, not having someone to talk to about it too much, you know, I, I'm not super worried about it. I've been fortunate enough to meet meet some guys. Gary Woodland's a great guy. And and to be honest, you know, in, in my it sounds bad, but I don't, I don't really idolize golfers. Right. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I love aspects of people's games. I love to see how guys handle different situations. Um, but you know, that's just one of those things where you know who you are and, and you got to trust in what you have. And, uh, you know, whether there hasn't been anyone from the air force, but I hope there's going to be more after this. And I'm an open book. If anyone, you know, in the military wants to reach out and ask how I did it and, or you know my, what I would do differently, or anything like that. So hopefully, hopefully I can be that be that to some people coming out of the military. So you finished your military service, you know, ten years at the academy as a student, as a golfer. Then ten years. I, I read that um, during those five years, um, when you were you know waiting to to get out of the military, um, you would do a lot of stuff at night. Sometimes if you were traveling in a hotel room, putting short game, um, in your hotel. I mean, talk me through that process. Yeah. So we have a night range here in, in Charleston that, you know, it has, has lights on it or whatnot. So ended up going out there a lot. I, I contributed. I, I was a, a frequent range member there during the week, uh, went out to a place called Patriots point where college Charleston practices here and, uh, pretty grinded on it pretty hard in the weekend, but I got really good at putting on a ruler. You know, there's, they, there's always the saying that an Air Force Air Force base has a golf course, and, and most of them do, but that doesn't mean it's in great shape or anything. So if you chip and stuff, I chipped, uh, you know, people laugh at me because my chipping practice now, I, I chipped the holes, right? And so it's just trying to land it in the hole, not where it was going to. So I got, um, you know, I, I started chipping the holes, the tees, and then putting on a ruler, right? So just making sure I can, can control that first 18 inches of the putt, Um you know, it's what I grinded on a lot during my time, whether that was wearing boots or whatever, you know, doing it, it was, uh, you know, there's a little gray area there, but, but it, but it was awesome. And, and, you know, I just tried to get better where I could. And then my last assignment was back at the air force Academy teaching. So that was a great assignment for me because I had access to the same facilities that he was using in college. And, uh, even if it was dark, there's, they do have an indoor there. So, um, was able to, you know, really get some work in, get some video work in, but, you know, there's times where I was gone, played, you know, I was in, I, we got stuck in Spain. We were en route to Africa, got stuck in Spain and, uh, played three rounds of golf with, you know, they only let me, they would only let me rent one club per day. So <laughs> played with a six iron, played with a seven iron, played with an eight iron. And, uh, turns out the six iron is probably the best one to play with on that course. So, so I one clubbed it for three days, but, you know, just got better where we could and, and got ready to go. You're not alone in practicing, um, you know, inside, I can, I remember when Tiger Woods was in college and my dad was working with Tiger and he called from a tournament and he said, you know, I wasn't really hitting it that good. And he was like, you know, I felt like the club was getting a little bit behind me or whatever he was saying. And my dad told me the story afterwards. And my dad said, listen, you know, we've been working on trying to get the club here, here, here. And Tiger said, hold on a minute. And he put the phone down and my dad says, he hears this noise of Tiger hitting a shot. And my dad says, are you in your hotel room? What are you doing? He goes, yeah, no, no. I took the rug and put it over the window and I'm hitting balls inside my room into a rug in the hotel room. And my dad said, 
you're going to break something. And Tiger said, no, no, I mean, I've got to try and work on this. I got, so you're not alone in trying um, to get better. I think you've said this a couple of times, get better where you can. Um, where does that kind of philosophy and thought come from for you? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think between coaches and, and my military time, you know, you're always, you're throwing different stuff, maybe playing other sports. You're always, there's always going to be some scenario, but you can always, you know, do your part and feel like you're doing, you know, everything you can. And I, I think that that's half the battle, right? Is having, being mentally, you know, sharp enough and confident enough to say like, Hey, I've done everything I can to get here to make this possible. Now it's time to go out and do it. Right. I think if you believe that you've done the preparation, you believe in your game. Um, I think that, you know, that goes a long way. They say, they say, you know, true, you can, you can have a chip on your shoulder, right. For not being able to play for five years, but that only gets you so far. Confidence will take you the rest of the way. So don't need to be cocky about it, but you know, I, for me, I just, I want to know that I've given everything I have and I've done all the preparation I can to be ready to go. How much of your time in the military and the things that being, um, in the military, being in the Air Force, going through basic training, how much of that regimented day in, day out of do it, you've got to do it this way. There's one way to do things. We stick to the process. Um, I would imagine that has helped you with not only your golf on the golf course, but are you very regimented in the way that you practice and the way that you prepare? Very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's, you know, it, it, it may change a little bit pending on the day, but I'm very structured. I have things that I want to get done every day. And, and, you know, basically I check, try to check them off. You know, there's days where I'll fall short um, because I didn't make it out of a drill or something like that. But I, you know, but I need to, I mean, I feel like I'm sticking to that regiment that you kind of the military, you know, military has instructed and instilled in me. I mean, I, I have things I want to get done and, and I get them done, whether it takes, you know, two hours or 20 minutes, you know, I just want to get those done. And, and I would say, yes, I'm very, very regimented, especially on playing days. So give me kind of a overall view of, of your game. Um, I've read you can get up to 206 ball speed with the driver. I mean, that is pushing kind of that kind of low end of where the long drivers are. I mean, that's kind of the the range that, you know, Bryson got into. I mean, DJ, I mean, I think the most I've seen DJ get up to, you know, ball speed wise is kind of in somewhere in the in the 190s. Um, driving the golf ball. Uh, another thing I read, you have three, you said you have three different driver swings. Talk me through the three different driver swings and what they are. Yeah. Uh, just depending on the course, you know, playing at, I never, I'll never play, I'll never play a golf course with, you know, over 200 ball speed, right. It's there, there's just not enough room to hit it. If you, you know, draw out that cone, that decade cone, if you want to use decade, it, it's a, uh, it gets pretty wide there, that landing area. But, you know, I, I my cruising speed, you know, speeds, I, we call it a cruising swing is anywhere from about 88 to 92. And I, and I think that's a comfortable, I think that's a comfortable place to play. You can play everywhere um, for the most part. And, you know, it, it, for control for me is there, I, I like to, I like to cut a driver, like draw three wood. Um, so, you know, it kind of where, where it fits. Right. And then the second swing is a, we call it a bunt. Um, comes off at about 160 ball speed flies about 250. And it, it basically a shot that, you know, in Colorado started using because it, you know, winds can blow 50 miles per hour. So the ball gets probably 15 feet in the air and flies about 250. It's, it's the same, it's the same as a two iron. I just, there's just less room for error. Right. But the, there's a time to use it and there's a time not, you know, if we've got wind blowing in off the left, I'm not gonna hit the bunt because it doesn't have enough spin on it to, you know, hold the line, right. It's going to fall off to the right. So, so there's a time for that. And then full swing. You know, if I, you know, want to, want to hit one out there, kind of how we played Tory, Tory Pines last year, if there's like a 325 cover or something like that, um, we'll bump it up to the, you know, mid, mid nineties, probably. 
So you said your cruising speed kind of just every day, 35,000 feet, take the seatbelt off, ball speed's kind of in the high 180s. Just for everybody listening, I mean, DJ and and when I worked with Brooks Kepka, I mean, they kind of cruise right around in kind of that 180 to 183 range to where that. So, I mean, you're, you know, mile, you're five to 10 miles per hour faster than those guys are. Um, what are the areas of your game you know, moving forward now that you've made this big jump to get to the, you know, the biggest stage um, and play on the PGA Tour. What are the areas of your game, Kyle, are you going to try and feel like you can make some gains in and use that phrase, just get a little bit better at? Yeah. So honestly, driving is one of those things. When I came out of college, I was, I was swinging harder. So I, I was sat at about 135, 136 club head speed. Um, coming out of college. And, and so I've, we've toned it back, right? Our, everything, everything I do is to try to drive it a little bit straighter and get those strokes gained driving up. Cause there's been many tournaments out there where I've actually lost strokes driving because I'm, you know, I'm hitting it in the rough to a short-sided pen or, or something like that. So for me, you know, I, I'm trying to get a better off the tee. That's, that's kind of, kind of been our status quo for the last couple of years. I think that's a, it could be a huge advantage for me if I'm able to effectively use it. Um, but until then, you know, I think every, the, for the last couple of years, you know, hitting it far has been, you know, such a high ticket item. And I think it's the most overrated asset in golf, right? There's a few courses out there that really benefit it. Torrey Pines being one of them, or if you take a course like an Oak wing and you, and you draw the, or sorry, Oak wing, wing foot getting courses mixed up here. Um, you draw the fairways in too narrow to where everyone's going to miss the fairway, then it just becomes a long drive contest. Right. And so other, other than those courses, um, you know, every, I want to be able to win, feel like I can win day week in and week out. And so for me to do that, I think we need to get a little bit better at driving the golf ball. You know, you mentioned distance, everybody listening thinks that, okay, the way to get better is to hit the golf ball further. And we look at the best players in the world right now, Rory McIlroy hits the golf ball miles. John Rahm hits the golf ball miles. DJ Brooks, when he was dominated, did that. Bryson dominated a couple of years ago by hitting the golf ball a long way. Um, players are trying to hit the golf ball further. But at some point, like you said, you have to have, I always call it usable distance. It doesn't do you any good to have all of this distance. It, to me, it's a little bit like a race car driver um, you've got to get the car around the track without crashing it. doesn't matter how fast you're driving it. If you're driving it too fast and you're crashing, it, it doesn't, doesn't do you any good. Yeah. Diminishing returns, you know, that, that cone at like 1% at 360 yard land zone is like 90 yard, 90 yards wide. Right. And so like, if you show me a course where you can hit it in a 90 yard window, <laughs> then I'll show, then I'll show you 200 ball speed on a course, but until then I'm not going to do it. Uh, it's just diminishing returns and, you know, there's a, there's a place for it, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to hit it and chase it and hit it again. You mentioned, um, Torrey Pines, you shot seven under to qualify for the U S open in 2021. I saw you there. Um, I know you played some practice rounds with, um, Gary Woodland. Um, you made the cut. What was that experience like? I mean, to play in a U.S. open, but to play it on an iconic, kind of venue. They play a tour event there. Tiger Woods is one there. Um, it's a great golf course. What did you learn that week? And was that week kind of looking back now, was that a, a an opportunity for you to use that as, okay, I made the cut in a, in a, in a major, um, I can do this. I'm going to take this and, and move forward with this. Yeah. You know, to be honest, we, we kind of felt a little short of our goals that week, but what was the goal? <laughs> well, the goal, the goal is to do well enough to where you, you continue playing on the PGA tour, which probably would have taken top 10, maybe 15 in a major to continue to play. So, so that was our goal. And there's, if there's a course to do it, it's that one. Right. And uh, so we got there, created a game plan. saw there was a lot of bunkers to cover at about 320 yards and, you know, knew that we could knew that we could be in the mix if we, executed a game plan well so if anything coming off that week it was just you know a lot of reassurance like hey we can compete here we can you know continue to get better or refine these same processes we have and go about playing the same way and as long as we you know execute well we can compete with these guys and i think you know 
that's a huge reassurance, right? The best players in the world are playing the U.S. Open. Obviously, there's a bunch of qualifiers there too, so it's not you know the players' field or whatever. But it is, but it is a great field, and you have all the best, and you know you see yourself competing with them, playing against them, and you know. But if, for me, it's just you know helps build that confidence, right? That I think you need to have. The Corn Ferry. Um, I don't think the average golf fan has any comprehension as to day in, day out, week in, week out on the Corn Ferry Tour, how low you have to shoot. Uh, you shoot 68 on the Corn Ferry Tour in the first round, you're 10 back. I mean, you shoot four under, somebody every, it seems like every single day on the Corn Ferry Tour, someone shoots a course record. Some, someone's shooting 62. Someone, multiple guys are shooting 63. It is a, it is a, it is a sprint. It is not a marathon. Every single round on the Corn Ferry Tour, you feel like you have to go. Low. My dad always says that anybody that comes off the Corn Ferry and and gets a PGA Tour card, um, they will learn have they will have learned how to shoot low. Um, what is that like as a player, knowing that okay, twenty under is probably not going to get it this week? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I missed. I missed probably four or five cuts this year on the number at like five, you know, four plus under par. Right. So, um, it is, you're exactly right. That is, that is, you know, knowing that if you don't, if you're not going to get to 20, um, then you're going to get, you know, you're going to get laughed. You're not going to win. There, there is definitely something behind that. That's not typically the style of golf. I really enjoy playing. I like the hard pars are good type golf courses. Um, where it really becomes like a ball striking contest. Right. And, and the reason the corn Ferry, you know, corn Ferry scores are so low. I'll call it what it is, is that you have courses that are, you know, roughs, not quite as high as a PGA tour greens aren't quite as firm. So it's not, you know, it's maybe not as penalizing to someone that either hits it, you know, as hitting a five, four iron in or hitting it out of the rough. Right. So you, everyone has a lot of looks at birdies and, and you, yeah, you, you do need to learn how to shoot well and score well on the corn fairy tour, but, but there's a, I think there's a mindset, you know, it's like you're playing a Monday qualifier, right? You go out and, and if you shoot seven under, you have a chance. If you don't, you're not going to have a chance, you know, and sometimes you shoot seven under and you still don't have a chance. Right. So, so it's just, you know, going out and knowing you have to shoot low scores and doing it is just, like I said, just building confidence, knowing that you can do it. So that big jump, um, from the corn fairy, you know, the golf courses, the setups are going to be different moving into the 2022-2023 season on the PJ Tour. You know that. You know that the courses that you're going to play week in, week out are going to be vastly different than what they are um, on the Corn Ferry. What are you expecting? What are your expectations? And, and, and tell me some of your goals for this upcoming season on the PGA Tour. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for, you know, playing a little bit, playing courses that are set up a little tougher or, you know, maybe your roughs up a little bit, a lot of overseed on the PGA Tour. I've been fortunate enough to play, uh, I guess, five or six PGA events now, um, kind of seen the gamut from the U.S. Open to, you know, I guess, waste management to a Greenbrier, kind of played in different locations in the country and um, so I, I know that the roughs roughs typically up a little higher fairways are probably a little, you know, a little narrower and greens typically are running a little quicker. So that's great for me. I, I think that makes it even better, you know, hitting spots, controlling your distances are key out there. And I just want to go out, you know, refine my process, get a little bit better driving the ball and, and see if we, you know, see if we can't do some real damage. I, I think we've been, you know, it's kind of been a long time goal to be here. We're, we're here now and I want to compete against the best. So I want to play, you know, try to play the best golf I can. So you're on the PGA tour now. Um, you're going to be playing with some of the best players on the planet. Um, you know, who are the players that you are excited to be playing alongside of and who are some of the players that you look up to and that you now are going to have an opportunity to walk up on, a practice range to all the great players and say, listen, Ham hey, Kyle, any chance that we could play a practice round together? Who are the players that you're looking forward to playing alongside of and 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 trying to get information from as you embark on your PGA Tour career? 
Yeah, I always I always enjoy playing practice rounds with Gary Woodland. He's been very nice to me in the past and and been willing to play his practice rounds with me. He's he's great. He plays a similar style game. And so, you know, it's a great it's a great person for me to pick his brain on courses and see how he's kind of played in the past and he's willing to talk about it, right? So, I also really enjoy playing with Zach Johnson. Every every time I, you know, every tournament I go to, I try to play nine holes with Zach. We couldn't play different games, more different games, but He's just, you know, such a great guy on and off the course, how he goes about professional golf and playing on golf's biggest stage, you know, playing on the PGA tour and, you know, just how, how he, how he does it. I, I kind of, I really look up to, so play with him and, uh, you know, probably a lot of my buddies that are coming out from the corn Ferry tour, right. Our, our Tuesday birdie games just went, you know, we increased the dollar figure on those, but, but, uh, look forward to playing with those guys. You know, it's, it is a different stage. Um, guys have played the same courses over and over again for years, uh, but it's still golf. It's 18 holes. So you got to make a game plan executed. Everyone knows how to build a golf, you know, a core strategy, but I'll try to pick the brain of, you know, Gary as much as, as much as I can. And uh, I, I know Dustin's not out there anymore, but I would have probably tried to tap him. He's, he's been pretty quiet in the past. So, um, yeah. I, you know, I probably would have tried. I don't know if I, you know, if I don't know if I would have gotten through there, but I just look forward to getting out there and, and meeting a lot of the guys too. Are you excited, um, Kyle, about the opportunity to play some of these amazing golf courses that they play on the PGA Tour that you've watched your entire life? You know, there's some, you know, Colonial, Memorial, um, where they hold these these great tournaments. Which courses are you really, really excited to get to and say, man, I'm getting an opportunity to play a PGA Tour event on this golf course? Yeah, I grew outside of Fort Worth, so Colonial is you know top of the list. We got some work to do to get there. Memorial is also top of the list, just for you know being the Memorial, um, you know, Jack, Mr. Nicholas's tournament, and just you know being able to play play there would be would be incredible. Um, Houston Open, you know, I've always wanted to play in, in my hometown. Have never done it, you know, haven't done it yet, but but just look forward to that. Look for I've never been out the Pebble, you know. Honestly, I'm excited to play every week that I can out here. Um, this fall, as you know, is pretty important. You go out and you try to, you know, do do well and reshuffle up up a little bit so you can get in some more tournaments. I'd love to play Tory. I, I mean, right now I'm like a kid in a candy store. You know, I'm I I just want to go and play them all and enjoy it. I, I will say that Honda beat me up last year, so it beats everybody up. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh, going back and getting a little redemption on it and seeing, you know, see if we can't do some more damage this year, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to all of it. I'm looking forward to, you know, enjoying these tournaments with my, my family, my team. Um, I think it's going to be awesome. So from a goal standpoint, you know, if you and I were talking at this time next year, you know, at the start of the 23, 24 season, um, what would be a win for you this year? Um, what are the expectations? Are you somebody that sets realistic goals? Are you someone that sets unattainable goals to try? Because there's two ways to do it, right? You can say, listen, I want to get to the top of Mount Everest and I'm just going to start at the bottom and just keep climbing and I'm going to climb as hard as I can. And if I get to the top, good. If I don't, well, then I've given it my all. Or do you come from a different mindset and say, okay, I've got a bunch of different goals this year for the for the upcoming you know PGA Tour season and if if you if you have any of those would would you be willing to share any of those? Yeah, I typically I typically hold hold my goals pretty pretty close, but I'm very much a guy that is like one foot in front of the other. You know, I'm gonna it's a it's a process to get there to get where I want to go. I set a goal and then I you know work those pillars back to that goal. Right? How are we gonna get to that goal? And I really focus on the day to day how we're gonna get there and then let that you know try to let that accomplish the end goal but my end goal is to win i'm not i'm 30 years old i'm you know we're getting to the pga tour for the first time i'm here to try to win golf tournaments um against the best in the world and and that that's my goal and what do we need to do to get there you know i think we've identified some areas that we can improve on and uh you know we're going to try to push as hard as we can lastly um you're a puma guy you wear the um volition collection the, the amazing work that Dan Rudy and the Folds of Honor um, have done. Um, Gary Woodland is, is part of that as well. Um, that also makes you kind of feel like you're part of something as well. The work that um, Folds of Honor have done, the, the collaboration they've done with Puma. Um, 
when you wear that clothing, um, you know, I'm a Puma guy as well. They send me Volition stuff. I have no military background. I, I like the stuff. I'm, I'm proud to wear it. But it, it, it must feel different for you to put on the Folds of Honor clothing from Puma because you've actually, I mean, it's, it, it has been your life. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to wear wear the brand uh, Puma and, and Volition together. I've been great, you know. They say, dead by definition, Volition is your ability to choose, and and you know, choosing to build a team around you that's very pro military, been a part of the military, supports the military is is how we want to do it. You know, we want to build our brand that's that you know coincides with our values, and and I you know just having Volition there and Puma backing us is an awesome opportunity for us, and it gives back you know, to families of lost or injured military members and support by supporting scholarships. And, you know, I think education is so important. Um, it provides so many great opportunities for people around the world. And I, I just think, you know, Folds of Honor does a great job in Volition, you know, and supporting Folds of Honor is, is an incredible brand. You making, you uh, starting next week in Napa? I am. Yes. We're going to get on a flight here in a couple hours to go to uh, rookie orientation. There you go. But Real quick before we go, a couple fun facts here. I uh, I actually grew up my my first place I started taking lessons at was the Dick Harmon School of Golf there in Houston. Yeah, yep. under with Art Scarborough. I don't know if Art you know Scarborough. Art. What a yeah. Art's one of the best. Yeah, so I grew up there, and then somewhere in the Butch Harmon archives at Rio Seco, there's a Kyle Westmoreland golf swing. Uh, I spent about a day out there. I was playing an AJGA event at Anthem. That's where my dad lives. Yeah. Yeah. He was riding around in a golf cart and saw us. And so we uh, saw three of us from Houston. He started talking to us for a couple of holes, realized we went to Dick Harmon and invited us out for a whole day. So spent the day with him and Nick Watney and he took some of my money on the putting green at the end of the day. But, but it was, uh, but it was great. So somewhere in those archives is a pretty raw golf swing. You know, you walk into my dad's for, for people that have never been out there. You walk into the, his facility out in Vegas. I worked there at the beginning. It's like a museum. I mean, it really is. With all of the, the memorabilia, you walk into that big hitting bay that he has and you look at all of those Tiger Woods majors flags and all of the stuff. Um, if that doesn't, I mean, I've talked, you mentioned it, players that get the opportunity to work with my dad, um, that get out there and go through that. It, it, it is such a motivating thing because you're walking in and you're, you're just like, man, this is, this is like, this is like a museum. I mean, it's like, there's so much stuff. I'll, I'll make sure that I, um, that I mentioned that to him when I talk to him this week, Kyle, um, congratulations. You've, you've, you've had an amazing amount of success. And I think everybody listening, um, is going to be following you, um, this year on the PJ tour. Best of luck, stick to your guns, Try not to make any huge, drastic changes. I see so many guys, Kyle, go out there. Um, if they don't have success early, they say, screw it. I'm just going to start changing everything. I'm going to change my coach. I'm going to change my caddy. I'm going to change my equipment. Um, if I give you one piece of advice is, um, you know, uh, we were in uh, at a tournament and one of the, the girls that I was teaching on the ladies tour, Marina Alex, she was leading going into the final round. Um, I think it was in the first tournament of the LPGA this year. Um, she didn't win, but I was with DJ and I said, we, we, I, I videoed, I said, DJ, give Marina one piece of advice going, you're in the last group, give her a piece of advice. And he, you know, typical DJ he said, just remember all the stuff you did to get you into the last group. Just keep doing that. So, um, best of luck. We'll be watching and, uh, congratulations on all your success. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me and, uh, yeah, go air force, beat army. There you go. Navy. There you go. Thanks. All right. Thank you. So that was Kyle Westmoreland and really cool to talk to him and someone, as I said in the interview, I'm, I'm really excited to watch. Um, listen, to, to make it from the Corn Ferry to get your PGA Tour card, that's always a steep curve. Um, it's, it's the show. It's, you know, it's, it's a step up. Um, you're playing against, you know, some of the best players in the world on, you know, one of the biggest stages in the world when it comes to professional golf. And I think it's a dream of, of everyone's to play when they start out, when you're in college to play on the PGA tour. And, and, um, I think Kyle, yeah, his journey, how he's done it. And I, th I think his background, um, I think he's going to be a success. Um, I, I think, um, he has the type of game, he has the distance, he has the length and, um, I think he has the background. Um, he's definitely not going to be outworked out there 
on tour. So really excited. Glad he took the time to talk to us and excited to see um, how he does in the wraparound and how he does next year in 2023. So getting to uh, questions, um, obviously continue questions about live. Um, my thoughts on that and the whole PJ tour thing, but we've gotten a lot of questions about um, the fact that the live schedule right now is maybe not as kind of condensed. Um, there's less tournaments um, and there seems to be a gap, more of a gap than on the PGA tour right now. So a lot of people are asking me about um, the practice schedules for the guys. I mean, certainly the guys I'm working with um, anybody that thinks that professional athletes and professional golfers are not going to practice. Um, I don't, I just don't get that. Um, I just, I fundamentally don't get this argument that if you're getting paid, if you've got guaranteed money, that you're just going to start phoning it in. We don't see that in any other sport. Um, we did, We don't see it when LeBron signs a big new contract, when Russell Wilson signs a new contract. It's not like Russell Wilson just, he signs a huge new contract with a big chunk of it guaranteed. Um, as a quarterback in the NFL for the Denver Broncos and what, I mean, Russell Wilson's just going to tell that entire organization, Hey guys, I just, I don't need to practice now. I don't need to look at film. I'll make it to the games on myself. I don't need to travel with the team. I'm just going to do my own thing and I'll just show up for games. So if you think that any of the guys that have gone to live aren't practicing in, in the off season or in between um, tournaments, you're crazy. Um, certainly none of the guys that I'm working with. Um, I think DJ's practice schedule, if I'm honest, is kind of ramped up. Um, he's doing the same things that he's been doing. Um, I think it's harder to, I think a lot of people look at players, you know, there's four majors in the past for the, for the live guys that they would try and peak for. So even though they've got some time in between some of these tournaments, I mean, DJ, he, he gets a week off, but it's not like he's not going to practice. So his practice schedule is pretty much the same um, as I've seen it. If he's got a month off, okay, he'll take a week off, maybe two weeks off. But if guys on the PGA Tour are going to take a month off, they're going to take a week off, maybe two weeks off to spend time with their families, go on vacation, and then come back to it. So I don't see that as a problem. And um, I think we're going to continue to see great golf on all the tours. Um, see, what did we get? We, uh, as a beginning golfer, how many times should I get to the practice range? Listen, you get into the golf, what you get out of it. So, um, if you can get to the range, I think a lot of people, if you get the opportunity to practice, if you're going to play on the weekend, if you, if you're going to play on Saturday, or you're going to play on Sunday, if you could get to the golf course, not everybody is a, is a tour player to where you, you can just practice all the time. So if you could find some time to get to the range, whether it's to chip, whether it's to putt, whether it's to work on your full swing, whether it's to work on all of it, um, I think that would be a huge, huge um, win. I think it would help you. Um, a lot of times, um, getting reps is just a good thing. Getting your body moving um, so you're not going to the golf course. If you don't have the availability to do that during the week, try and get to the range, you know, a couple hours early, maybe hit some balls, maybe just chip and putt. But the last thing you want to do is just show up to a golf course, having played no golf, having practiced no golf. Um, and, uh, you've got to practice. You've got to put time in, um, to what you're doing. Um, let's see which tour pro that you've taught has the most natural golfing ability. Um, I think DJ has got to be at the top of that list just from a sheer athlete standpoint. Um, the things that he can do in all the sports that I've seen him play is, is pretty phenomenal and there isn't really much he can do or he can't do. I mean, if you gave him a surfboard, I guarantee you he could figure out how to surf in, in, a, in a fairly short period of time. So, um, I think that, um, DJ from a natural talent standpoint would be, probably at the top of that list for me, for sure, out of all the players I've worked with. Um, yeah, I mean, the guy's a freak athlete. He can do pretty much anything. Um, can you talk about the low point in the golf swing, how important it is, and how it affects the golf swing? So when we're talking about the low point, it's something that we can measure now with launch monitors. It's where the bottom of the golf club, where the arc is, where the arc is bottoming out. So if you think about what the best players in the world do 
with their iron specifically, that low point is going to be in front of the golf ball, not behind the golf ball. So you're hitting the ball and then you're hitting the ground in front of the golf ball. If you ever have an opportunity to watch tour players hit golf balls, the divots are in front of the ball. The divots are not behind the ball. So a lot of players in an effort to try and get their irons into the air, they're going to have that low point bottom out behind the golf ball. So as the club is coming in, their weight shifts back. They're trying to hit up on the golf ball with an iron and they're going to bottom out their arc behind the golf ball. And I think that's something that I see on a regular basis. If you are someone that that has that problem to where you're, you're hitting a lot, a lot of golf balls fat, you're hitting behind the ball, you're catching a lot of golf balls thin, that is going to show you that your low point is probably going to be behind the golf ball and the best players in the world, the best ball strikers in the world from an iron standpoint, that low point is going to be in front of the golf ball. Um, I had a question about shaft lean. Um, excessive shaft lean, is that something that you need to do to be a great ball striker? I mean, obviously you could get the shaft leaning too far forward at impact, um, but for the majority of people listening to this podcast, if the club head... If the if when you think about where you are at impact, right? If you think about where you want to be at impact, you're going to want to have the shaft leaning forward. You're going to want to have your hands ahead of the golf ball. You're going to want to have that shaft leaning a little bit more forward. That's a very easy way to start to clean up contact. If you think about what you do when you're chipping and pitching, the first thing that you do if you're going to hit a little bump and run pitch shot, you're going to put the golf ball back in your stance. You're going to open your stance a little. You're going to put your hands a little bit ahead, and you're going to go ahead and keep your weight and put the majority of your weight on your lead foot. If you ask yourself, I mean, everybody gets told to do that, but sometimes it's important to ask yourself, okay, why am I being told to do that? Well, because the swing is so small in a, in a little pitch shot or a little chip shot, you're not making a massive weight transfer. You're not turning behind the golf ball. You're not turning through the golf ball. So what you're actually doing by playing the golf ball a little bit further back, putting those hands forward, leaning that shaft a little bit forward and keeping that weight on that lead foot and then opening that stance a little is you're basically trying to preset your impact position. So one of the ways if you're struggling with quality of strike, specifically with your irons, is go back and forth between hitting a chip shot and then hitting a full swing and ask yourself, okay, what do I feel different in this swing? What do I feel different in the chip shot where I have really good quality of strike, really good contact? And then what am I not feeling in my full swing? And again, that's going back to that previous question, the low point. If you're hitting a chip shot, the low point is going to be in front of the golf ball not behind the golf ball. And if you can go ahead, I mean, you can always find, you know, swings on YouTube and go look at slow motion swings. They do a lot of this and all the broadcasts where they show people at impact, the old Ben Hogan, that moment of truth where impact is that shaft's going to be leaning forward. You're going to be catching the ball first and then the turf in front of you. And if you can get that feeling and get that concept, it's really, really going to help you with your iron game. It's going to help you with the quality of strike and your shots are going to be hit better. So I want to thank everyone for listening. If you haven't gone back and listened to old episodes, please check them out. And like I said last week, if you've got people that are interested in golf, um, tell them about the podcast. Hopefully they'll They'll listen to people maybe they, they haven't heard before, and maybe they'll learn something that can help them with their golf. Son of a Butch comes to you every Wednesday. We will see everyone next week. Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.